Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Kyle and others. And thank all of you for joining in in our worship this morning. I appreciate uh, your participation. And I know the Lord uh, enjoys hearing his people worship and sing and praise him. And so thank you for being a part of that this morning. If you brought your Bibles, we'll be looking at Genesis 13 this morning. Genesis 13, I'm going to share a message with you uh, that part of a series that I started a couple, three weeks ago uh, on mission with God. And I want to speak to you today about Lot's, Lot's disastrous decision, Lot's disastrous decision. Now, for the past few Sundays, we've We've been studying this major biblical character by the name of Lot. I don't have really time to review what we've talked about in the other sermons. Let me just encourage you, if you were not able to be here the last two weeks, if you would, uh, you can go on our website and listen to the sermon or watch the worship service, or you can go on the podcast and listen to the the other uh, sermons to kind of bring you up to date about what we've learned about this person called Lot. But Lot, to the surprise of many, was a saved man. Lot, uh, according to 2 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says that Lot was a righteous man, that uh, Lot was a just man, that Lot had a righteous soul. And so when you study about Lot, you might think that Lot really was not a saved person. But yet we find in 2 Peter that we're told, and also that that he was. He was saved. He he had... uh, he, he was just a saved person. However, as an example of how a saved person can live their life in such a backslidden condition that if that person, that person can even experience a little bit of hell on earth. And we're going to talk about that uh, as we conclude the series today. Hopefully, I can get it all in. Last week, we noticed that Lot made uh, some bad decisions. He made a covetous decision. And then he made a religious decision. And then today we're going to see where Lot made a disastrous decision. He'd made some pretty bad decisions, but this kindly kindly took the cake, you might say, some would say. Genesis chapter 13, we're going to look at verse 7, and we're going to read through verse 13. Genesis chapter 13, verse 7. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzites dwelled there in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if you depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. So they're dividing up the land. Verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before, I underlined that word, before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Verse 11, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. I just put that in in, uh, uh, 
I put it in, a, a print, in brackets. Put it in brackets. That's important. We'll look at that. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. Verse 13. But the men of Sodom, they were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now, first I want us to look at a word that we found in verse 10. That word is Sodom. We've heard that word oftentimes. We've probably read this passage of Scripture a lot of times. But Sodom. Now, the word Sodom has been referred to oftentimes throughout history by, <clears throat> by different, different ways, different ways. One, one person referred to Sodom as the cesspool of immorality. Someone has referred to Sodom as the slime pit, the slime pit of sexual perversion. Someone referred to Sodom as the San Francisco of the Old Testament. So it was a total wasteland. It was full of pagan, wicked homosexual, uh, homosexuals, com, uh, uh, according to the Bible, God's Word. It was so wicked, so wicked that God could not find ten righteous people in that entire city. Couldn't find ten. And now here is a man that is saved. Here's a man born again, a righteous man, a man with a righteous soul, a just man, what Peter said, and he finds himself in that city. Now let me just say this up front. You don't know how dangerous it is. Lot never realized how dangerous it would be for him as a person who believed in, in Jehovah God to take his eyes off of God. And that's what happened. Literally, he took his eyes off God. You don't know how dangerous it is for you as a Christian, me as a Christian, to take our eyes off the Word of God and then to take our eyes off God, take our eyes off the blesser, remember we talked about that last week, and start casting our eyes on the well-watered plain of Sodom, or casting our eyes on the world. Now, if you notice in verse 12, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Notice, Notice, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. It doesn't say that he was in Sodom. It just says that he, pinched, he pitched his tent toward Sodom, towards Sodom. The point is, pitching your tent towards Sodom, and we'll see a little later on, pitching your tent towards Sodom and being in Sodom really is not too far apart. You've got to remember that. When you pitch your tent towards Sodom, you're not too far from being in Sodom. And that's the way it was with Lot, he was, he was, he was uh, kind of, he, he was kind of leaning that way. He wasn't in Sodom. He was just kind of leaning toward that direction. And the moment he pitched his tent towards Sodom, he did what so many do today. He, he took a step in the wrong direction. The moment he pitched that tent, leaned that direction, he was taking a step in the wrong direction. That's his disastrous decision right there. That's where it is. Now, the reason that's bad and a bad, a disastrous decision is because as a child of God, if you're not careful, you're going to take some wrong steps. Have you ever taken a wrong step as a Christian? I have. All of us have. We are honest with ourselves. All of us have taken a step in the wrong direction. Have you found yourself kind of leaning in the wrong direction? Have you ever found yourself stepping toward Sodom? The point is, stepping toward Sodom and being in Sodom is not too far apart. They're really pretty close together. 
Now, we need to be reminded uh, that uh, churches, too, can take the wrong step. I mean, we can take steps in the wrong direction. So we have to be careful as an individual and also as churches. Someone said that you don't get into sin on the diving board. Most of us go in on the sliding board. And I like that. You just don't jump into sin. Usually it's a gradual thing. It's not all of a sudden, but it's just a gradual thing. Most people don't get up, and you didn't get up this morning, and you didn't say, you know, I'm just going to do everything I can do today just to make a mess out of my life. You didn't get up saying that. Most people never think of it that way. I'm going to see today, I'm going to see if I can find myself in just a deep, just in deep immorality before this day's over with. Most people don't think that way. Or I'm going to see if I can ruin my kid's life today or ruin my marriage today. Or I'm going to see if I can get fired from my job today. It doesn't work that way. It's not a dive, but it's kind of a slide into those things. So today I'm going to do everything, some people say, to totally mess up my life. No, they don't get up thinking that, but that's, that's not how it works. It starts in progression. It starts not a diving board, but a sliding board. It starts progression. An example, perhaps, well, I'm not going to study my Bible today, or I'm not going to have my prayer time today, or I really, you know, I don't feel like I need to be committed to God and my finances at the church, or I don't need to let church be the priority in my life when I've got a lot of other better things to do in Sodom or in the well-watered plain are in the world. And while you're thinking those things and while you're acting on those things, your children, your grandchildren, nieces and nephews are watching your every step. And so we start towards Sodom by taking a simple, single step. We're leaning. We're leaning. Now, how do we do that? How do we start leaning in towards Sodom? Well, we can lean towards Sodom based on what we watch on TV. We've got to be careful on what we watch on TV. The, the, the television programs that we watch, the sitcoms that we watch, the movies that we rent, we have to be careful about what we Google on the Internet, what we see or what we say or, or what we do on this thing called Facebook. Now, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm you know, some, you may, I don't know how to post, I don't know how to, I don't, I'm not on Facebook. God, God, uh, God took me off Facebook years and years and years ago because I was spending more time on Facebook than I was with him. And that's why he took me off. But, uh, you know, you have to be careful what pictures you post, what comments you make. Now, I'm not on Facebook, but listen, I, I have people come to me and people bring things to me and people show me. And uh, I've been shown pictures and I've been shown comments of youth and adults of this church that I pastor that broke my heart. Knowing that they profess the name of Christ. Knowing that they've identified as Mountain View Baptist Church being a member. You know what you're doing? You're stepping in the wrong direction. You're leaning towards Sodom. However, churches 
churches today can take a wrong step in the wrong direction. Some churches are, are doing away with meeting on Wednesday night. Some churches are doing away with even meeting on Sunday night. Some churches are doing away with discipling new converts. Some churches are doing away with that. You say, Brother Sam, that's none of your business. Well, I'll agree. But today I promise God that the church that I pastor will never discontinue Sunday night. It will never discontinue Wednesday night. It'll never discontinue evangelism. It'll never discontinue discipleship training. And we won't be watching the Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday and having a devotion at halftime. See how you can lean towards Sodom? So if we're going to be meeting on Sunday morning, the Bible says we need to be meeting the more, the more, the more, that we see his day approaching. So we're not discontinuing. If we do anything, we'll be adding to it, especially prayer meetings. So the point is, we're taking little steps in the wrong direction, and we're pitching our tent towards Solomon. Now look at Genesis chapter 14, verse 12, and I've got to really hurry. Genesis uh, 14, verse 12. And they took Lot, and you can read the story about them taking Lot, and Abraham's... Uh, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and they departed. So here, here's the point. It, it took less than a chapter for Lot to step towards Sodom, and then he becomes a resident of Sodom. All of a sudden, he's pitching tent toward it, leaning toward it. Now he's a resident of Sodom. And, 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 and we're told by scholars, he, he's not only living in a place that he was... Well, he, he, now, if you think of this, he is now living in a place that he, he is diametrically opposed to what they believe and to what they think because they're diamet diametrically opposed to the Word of God. He, he is a saved man, redeemed man, a righteous soul, and now he's backslidden and he's living in Sodom, a city contrary to the will of God. And that's bad, amen? But even worse than that, it gets, it gets worse. Look at chapter 19. Chapter 19, you'll have to go back and read. Chapter 19, verse 1, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. So we find him not only living there, but now he's set in the gate, and scholars tell us that that simply means that he was a high official, a political official in Sodom. We're told that that means that Lot was some type of high-ranking political official of that city, probably the mayor of the city. So what's the problem? Lot now is a high-ranking city official of a city that has totally abandoned the will of God. He's over a city, and God can't find ten righteous people in that city. It's a very simple city. Well, what's the sin, Brother Samuel? Well, you know as well as I do. You've read the sin of Sodom was the sin of homosexuality. Men marrying men, women marrying women, which according to the Bible is an abomination to the word, to the will, and to the way of God. You know, I, I, I really don't care what the culture says. I, I don't really care about the news media are being political, politically correct, but the one who holds the keys to heaven and to hell 
says that's an abomination to him. And God never intended for a man to marry a man, a woman to marry a woman. I mean, it still takes a man and woman to produce an offspring, two men. No, that's not going to happen. Two women, no, that's not going to happen. So it never was his intent for man to propagate the earth with man and man, woman and woman. Naturally, it's man and woman. God never insisted it be that way. He never intended for it to be that way. But here's a saved man, mayor of a city, where that's the major sin. Now, as we conclude this, look at verse 14. And Lot went out, and he spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But it seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. So notice. Notice, first of all, what your sin does when you, when you lean toward Sodom. It don't only affect you, but it, it affects a lot of people. Notice who it hindered. The point is, your sin... You do not sin in isolation. It always affects someone. Daddy, mother, you can't sin against the Lord and it not affect your children. Remember that. Notice his sons-in-law mocked him. Here's the point. The, the world has no respect for a worldly Christian. Mark that down. The worldly Christian. Those that live just like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, live like the world, you know what the world does? They mock you. You have no respect in the world as a Christian living like the world. You are a clown, according to them. So the angel came to Lot, verse 15. Look at uh, 19, verse 15. When the morning rose, the angels hastened, Lot saying, Arise, take thy wife and two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of this city. So the angel came and told Lot, Lot, you need, you need to get out of here. God's mad. God's upset. I mean, God's really hacked off. God's ticked off. God's going to destroy this place because of the sin. The wickedness has become a stench in his nostrils. It is a stinking, wicked place. God, right, listen, God's going to destroy this city, and you've met, you, you have to get yourself, your family, out of here. And so Lot somewhere comes to his senses because he runs to his daughter's houses. He runs in where his children are living. To, he says, get my daughters, told his son-in-law, get my daughters, we've got to get out of here. And the sons-in-law do what? They laugh at him. They mock him. They let's laugh at him. And, and no doubt they said, what are you talking about, Lot? What are you talking about? You're just one of us. You act like us, you talk like us, you drink like us, you gamble like us, you do what we do. I mean, what are you talking about? Here's the point. You can spend your whole life building your testimony and lose it in a matter of seconds. And you'll be blessed to live long enough to get it back. See it happening all the time. So first, his decision affected his family. Second, his decision affected his wife. Look at uh, verse 26, chapter 19. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Notice, no, really important, she looked back. Notice the verb, look back. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, just uh, you study and you hear, you find, you read. 
But look back is very important in it's very important Hebrew word for that verb. It, it means a verb of intensity. A verb of intensity. The angels relay this message that God is about to destroy the city. And then Lot goes and he relays the same message to the family and his family mocks him. And now his wife, he relays the message to her and says, Honey, we've got to get out of here. God's going to destroy this city and they're leaving the city. And if you'll pick up, She's even, the, she's even, and they are even, she included, are even holding the hands of an angel. You're talking about somebody being dragged out of a city of wickedness. That's what's happened to Mrs. Lot. And she's holding their hand. And I don't know what happened. I don't know. Suddenly, all of a sudden, she began to remember everything she had back there and all the fun she had back there and maybe the clubs and nightclubs and all those joints she went to. Maybe her house, it was really nice, you know. He was the mayor and probably had his plush and she got thinking about all the things that she had back there and all the things she left back there. Then all of a sudden, she just turned and looked back and when she did, immediately she turned into a pillar of salt. I notice on the screen there on that on that screen slide with the sermon title. South of Masada along Highway 90, there's a hike up to Mount Sodom. And I've been close to there. A hill that's made up of almost entirely of held um, uh, halite of so rock salt. It's 226 meters above the Dead Sea with some great views but still 170 meters below the sea level. Don't miss this rock formation that has separated from the cliff face due to the weathering. It is known as Lot's wife. That's not actually Lot's wife. It takes an image. It reminds everybody. Should remind us. What happened to Sodom? What happened to Lot? What happened to his wife? Why all that came about? But it's known as Lot's wife, a reference to the biblical story, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and how Lot's wife looked back as they left and was turned into a pillar of salt. So she looked back. She looked back. She looked back. Remember that intensity verb? She looked back with this PL stem verb, looked back with intensity, literally meaning longing with intensity to be back in Sodom. She just hated to leave. And she turned into a pillar of salt. The point is, don't forget, daddy, mother, grandmother, grandfather, your actions affect your family, affect your children, affect your wife, affect your husband, affect everybody. You can't, you can't sin and it not affect anybody. Here's the point. You may be saved, you may know God, but you can live in Sodom so long that you can allow Sodom to get down into the heart of your family. You may get your family out of Sodom, but you may not get Sodom out of your family. Don't hang out in Sodom. As bad as all this is, Lot's sin affected him. Look at 2 Peter real quick. 2 Peter. 2 Peter. I've got just a little more. 2 Peter, chapter 2. Look at verse 7. Now, it's affected everybody. Now, it's going to affect him. 2 Peter, chapter 2, verse 7. And delivered just, there it is, just Lot, he was just, 
vexed, underline vexed, vexed with the filthy life of the wicked, the filthy conversation. The word conversation literally means lifestyle. He, he had a lifestyle just like them. For that righteous man, verse 8, dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed, there's that word again, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Vexed. 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 That word vexed is the same Greek word used in Luke chapter 16. Let me show it to you. Luke chapter 16, verse 24. Luke 16, verse 24, and the rich man in hell. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented, underlined, vexed. Underlined, tormented. The same Greek word in Luke 16, 24 for tormented is the same Hebrew word used in Genesis. Now, what does all that mean, Brother Sammy? The word in Luke 16, tormented, tormented in the same word, translated vexed in 2 Peter 2, 7 and 8. Now, this is really important. Look, if you will, at four, uh, Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14, verse 11. And the smoke of their torment. There's that word again. There's the torment ascended up forever forever they have no rest day or night who worship the beast the image and whosoever receiveth the mark of the beast so what does this mean brother sammy well here's what it means in the depths of lot's heart in the very pit of his heart he was vexed the greek word is tormented he was vexed he was tormented he was living on earth but he was experiencing a little bit of hell. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger, for I am vexed. I'm tormented in these flames. He was vexed, Second Peter 2. He was vexed. He was living on earth, but he was experiencing a little hell while on earth. Meaning he knew in his heart that he was not right with God. Now if you'd met Lot on the street, you would think everything's going good. If you'd saw him cutting his grass, he'd throw it up his hand and wave. If you'd went to a city council meeting where he was the mayor, everything would have been really going really good. People thought that Lot had it all together. He had his wife, had his flocks, herds, and tents. And he was a political figure, and he had all this stuff going. But when he put his head on the pillow at night, he was tormented. Because deep down inside his heart, he knew that he had backslidden from God. And he was living one miserable life. You know, the most miserable person here this morning is not the person that's an unbeliever. But it's the person who's backslidden. Everything looks good till you lay your head down at night and then you're vexed in spirit and in your heart. Living just here on earth but experiencing just a little bit of hell while you're here. One foot in the world, one foot in the church. 
wanting both worlds, the best of both worlds, middle of the road. And listen, the story ends in chapter 19, verse 30. Look right there real quick. 19, verse 30, as the story ends. You'll see this. You'll, you'll see what happened to this poor man. 19, verse 30. 19, verse 30. And Lot went up to Zor, and he dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zor. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. Now he ends up in a cave with his two daughters. Wife's a pillar of salt. Don't know what happened to sons-in-law. Probably didn't leave. So he ends up with his two daughters. He's alone. He's in this cave. He's thinking on all this stuff, what he's been through and everything. And then, lo and behold, his two daughters commit incest with him. You see that? They delivered two children. One's name was... was, uh, uh, Moab, who was the father of the Moabites. The other was uh, Ben-Ammi, which was the father of the Ammonites, which are today enemies. The Moabites and the Ammonites are enemies of Israel. Still a thorn in Israel's flesh. And it all started when a saved man made a choice based on his flesh and not the will of God, moved his family to Sodom, and Sodom got into the hearts of his children. Now he's in a cave committing incest with his daughters and his children are his own grandchildren. You think he ever looked back and remembered when Abraham came to him and said, Lot, you need to make a choice. You need to make a choice. And he chose the well-watered plains. He had covetous decision. Then he had a religious decision. He wanted the best of both worlds. But it ended up a disastrous decision when he pitched his tent towards Sodom. You think Lot would do things different today if he had another opportunity? I kind of believe that he would. But the question today is, how long will you halt between two opinions? If God be God, serve him. If Baal be God, serve him. Can't straddle a fence. Can't have the best of both worlds. God says you're either for me or you're against me. You know, our country's in a mess. You don't have me to tell you that. But is there really that much difference between America and Sodom? Did the wrath of God fall on Sodom? Sure it did. So the question is, where will you be if the wrath of God should fall on America? When the judgment falls on America, I pray this morning that you don't have your family in a tent pitched towards Sodom, that you've talked to them about the Lord, and until that time comes, you'll have your tent pitched toward the heaven, looking for his coming. Let's pray together. Father, my goodness, thank you for our time that we can just kind of evaluate this guy called Lot. And so uh, we come to you this morning. Thank you for our time that we can spend together. And I thank you for each person here. Help us to see the magnitude of what decisions do as fathers and mothers and grandfathers and grandmothers and, and children. Help us, Lord, to be careful when the devil comes and tempts us, even with uh, 
even with the technology that we have today, that we have to be so careful that we'll slide right into Sodom before we know it. Help us to evaluate where we are with you today. I pray for each person here, and I pray, Lord, that uh, if there's anyone here who has never come to Christ, I pray today they would turn from their sin and turn to this person, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for their sin. Lord, that we might have forgiveness of our sins and that we might be saved. Thank you for your love. Help us to understand your wrath. And so, Father, we pray now that you'll speak to our hearts during this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.